Make sure all seats are in the upright position and trays are put away before we take off. Welcome to episode number 49 of the Connected Aircraft Podcast. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III, and on today's episode, we'll be featuring another presentation that was given during our recent Connected Aviation Intelligence two-day live interactive event. This will be our last podcast episode of 2020, as we will be out for the holidays over the next few weeks, and we'll be back providing more great podcast coverage starting the week of January 11th. On today's episode, this will be a great way to end the year, as our guest today is once again Daniel Welch, Senior Consultant for Valor Consultancy. He provides an updated outlook on trends to watch across the connected aircraft ecosystem as 2020 comes to an end and industry stakeholders start to shape their plans for 2021. Welch also discusses merger and acquisition activity, business models for airlines and service providers, as well as equipment trends and commercial aircraft production rates, and how all of this is impacting the in-flight connectivity sector of the aviation industry. So without any further delay, let's get into Daniel's December 2nd Connected Aircraft Outlook presentation given during our recent Connected Aviation Intelligence Program. We hope you have a safe and healthy holiday season, and we'll be looking forward to bringing you more great podcast content in the new year. I'm going to be talking through um, some of our latest in-flight connectivity data um, that's pulled from um, Hot Off The Press, from our quarterly tracker, so our Q3 data, uh, which we've been working on the last couple of weeks, uh, and also from our annual study on uh, in-flight connectivity uh, trends and forecasts, uh, titled In-Flight Connectivity 2020. Um, so there's a couple of new data sources there that we'll, uh, that we'll be referring to. Now, for those that don't know uh, who we are, um, I'm not going to go through this slide word for word. There's a lot of information there, but effectively we're, we're an independent uh, research company based in the UK uh, and in Australia, which is where I'm uh, based at the moment. Um, our roots are in uh, aviation. Uh, we provide uh, syndicated and custom services uh, across that aviation spectrum and, and into the maritime uh, sector as well. Um, so as like many of you on this call, um, we're heavily invested in, in getting this sector uh, moving again. Um, and hopefully some of the, the data and insights that I share today will, will give some um, indication towards that, uh, when that growth might return. So um, as mentioned, um, what I'm here to talk about is, is the future of in-flight connectivity and um, perhaps looking back at where 2020 has ended um, and how that growth um, might be stimulated looking forward. Um, to be honest, the last thing I wanted to do was lead with a slide on, on coronavirus. Um, it's the dominant topic in, in everyone's discussions at the moment. And um, to be honest, it's something that something that's inevitably going to crop up in a presentation like this, given the impact. Um, so I'm hoping that if we lead with this, um, we can use this as a foundation and then end on something a little bit more positive towards the end of the presentation uh, after after going through some of this. Um, I've obviously um, tried to focus on, you know, the, emphasizing the fact that coronavirus's impact 
it's been felt today in the short term. Um, the immediate reaction has been for airlines to remove uh, aircraft to resize those fleets to accommodate for um, for you know for, for for demand at the moment and into the short term uh, future. Um, we've seen about between eight hundred to a thousand connected aircraft being removed from the installed base as a result, and and that's really the immediate shock effect of uh, of this pandemic uh, is that loss of uh, aircraft from the installed base and the commercial fleet. The, the next phase, that the next layer that we see is, is airline bankruptcies, and we've seen a, a few airlines um, file for bankruptcy protection this year, and uh, inevitably uh, there's been a number of commercial carriers that have gone under. Now, our understanding is that it's, it's actually been a quieter year in terms of the number of airlines that have fallen foul of bankruptcy, um, but nevertheless, some of those that have ended up in, in that, that process are larger than, than normal. Um, going into 2021, we see that this is going to be uh, going to play a major role, uh, particularly in the first six months, as we see government uh, aid uh, and financial aid uh, come to a close, uh, continued cash burn, um, and and also that prolonged reduction in demand of long haul travel that that will effectively take some of some more airlines uh, into bankruptcy or file for bankruptcy protection and some of those will have you know connected aircraft with them so this is that next phase that we're entering now um longer term we're seeing the aircraft production and the volatility of that is going to play a major role and and arguably for us over the next five to ten years it's this deferral or cancellation of, of, of aircraft deliveries and orders that, that potentially have the biggest impact um, on the connected install base. Um, and that's only really going to play out um, in, the, in the mid to longer term as some of those aircraft that were due to arrive with connectivity line fit or were good candidates for retrofit don't end up in the install base at, at all, or at least towards the end of the forecast period. And then finally, um, something that I think more analysts are starting to recognize now is, is the impact of debt, which is accumulating, and, and also the terms of, of financial aid that could well uh, inhibit growth of new technologies such as in-flight connectivity um, for a longer period than, than some might appreciate, and, and we'll go into that later. So let's have a look at the short-term impact that we've seen uh, because of the pandemic. And, and what I'm trying to highlight here is, well, I'm using our in-flight connectivity data for Q3, and I've highlighted some historical trends um, or some historical data to emphasize uh, you know, what's happening today. And um, this chart talks about, um, looks at the installed base of connected aircraft broken out by regional jet in yellow, wide bodies in gray, and then narrow bodies in blue. And the data is running from Q118 on the left to Q3 2020 on the right. Um, now, from a narrow body point of view, um, we've actually seen uh, an increase in Q1 and Q2 of the amount of connected aircraft coming into that installed base. Now, part of that was driven by Inmarsat's European Aviation Network with a number of narrow body aircraft across the IAG group uh, coming online. Um, that obviously that has not been the case in Q3, where we've seen a slight fall um, with that the impact of some of these older narrow body aircraft being removed from the global fleet taking effect. And that reduction has only been small, but still it's, it's happened in Q3. The bigger effect has been felt in the wide body market, unsurprisingly. Um, we've seen about 100 and 150 aircraft, um, dual aisle aircraft being removed from the uh, connected install base. 
um, mostly across the B747 fleet, A340s, particularly those two aircraft this this quarter. Um, but in previous quarters, we've seen a number of uh, carriers remove A380s as well. Um, on the regional jet front, actually, we've seen a stabilization of, of airlines removing those aircraft from the install base. Um, that obviously that North American market dominates in that, that sector. But on a regional jet element, we're, we're seeing that those aircraft are, are providing more flexibility to airlines. And that's reflected in this stabilization of, uh, of the connected fleet um, from regional jets. Now, when we break this down into quarter on quarter installations, which this chart shows, um, in blue, you've got retrofits and in, in gray, you've got line fitments. You can really see how the, the pandemic is playing out across the, well, having an impact across the industry, quite frankly. So the good news, on the good news side, we've got um, line fitments that have continued to occur, even in the, the darkest depths of, uh, of the pandemic with Q2 and Q3 line fit installations uh, still coming through, although you know in, in much smaller numbers. Um, we're seeing new aircraft such as the A220, the A320neo, the A350 and 787s still filter into the fleet to some level, replacing the older aircraft that, which have been removed that were previously perhaps retrofitted um, that are less fuel efficient. And, and I pull out here the 747s and A340s, which really represent a bulk of the aircraft taken out in Q3. Um, so you can see that from a retrofit point of view, there was a lot of aircraft removed from the install base. And these numbers are net quarterly installations. So this is the impact on the installed base of, of retrofit, uh, retrofit aircraft. Um, and you can see those retirements have really taken a hold on the retrofit market. Now then when we look at um, frequency band, one the, the real story isn't necessarily installations um, when we get to when we get to this point. The, the story that we like to look at or that we are looking at is the grounded versus active story because that's where we're seeing the greatest effects uh, on service providers, particularly you know service revenue. Um, in that sense, we've seen a number of aircraft on, on the good note reactivated in Q3. So in blue, we've got active aircraft. Um, in uh, yellow, we've got those that are still grounded. In the lighter blue, we've got aircraft that have been brought back into the fleet in Q3 uh, after being grounded in Q2. So on the KU band side, you can actually see that quite there's quite a large number of those aircraft that were brought back into the fleet that were, how, that were using a KU band service. Um, there's still a lot in yellow that, that, you know, that are out of service, but still there's some good numbers that are coming back into the fleet. Whereas on the KA band side, um, we've seen less uh, as a proportion, uh, less aircraft come back into the commercial fleet just now. And a lot of that is driven, as we'll see shortly, um, by the fact that in Europe and in Asia pack, there's a lot more aircraft on the GX network that yet haven't been brought into uh, back into uh, active status. Um, but again, there's a good news story in there where we're seeing a lot more aircraft come back in uh, to active service. And a portion of those will be uh, resupplying in-flight connectivity to passengers. Uh, an example being Qantas that brought the switching back on its IFC. Um, now, in terms of service revenue, we're still expecting a fall in that, a significant fall. So our estimation is that service revenue will fall by about 45% on the in-flight connectivity front by the end of this year. So we still see a sizable hole, but but nevertheless, there's there's something to cling on to there on a good good note.
and by geographic region, again, we can see this playing out. Um, I've, I've aggregated up the region slightly so that we've got the Americas together because North America dominates um, in terms of installed base. But by combining some of the other regions together, we can we can see a, a nice story developing. Um, in the Americas, we saw a lot of the connected aircraft being brought back into service, um, you know, through initiatives such as the CARES Act, uh, but also just a, a busy domestic market in the US and into Canada. In South America, we actually saw more aircraft taken out of service because of the the impact of the pandemic, and also you know that the impact of that on international and domestic travel. Um, in Europe and Asia, um, what we see reflected here is that there's actually a lot more wide-body aircraft connected in EMEA and, and APAC versus what we see in the Americas, where we've got that large domestic um, installed base. And so there we've seen less, uh, less aircraft return to service. And in fact, a lot of these are expected to remain um, deactivated uh, for the foreseeable future until we see long-term travel returning. Now, a quick shout out to the, um, the competitive environment. So what I've done here is, is look at um, of the, you know, the 9,100 aircraft that were active in, in Q3, um, the share of installations. Now, this doesn't reflect what's active versus grounded. This, this merely reflects installations. Uh, and you can see that GoGo's market share uh, is, is still uh, sizable. Um, you've got Panasonic and Viasat. Uh, Viasat's had extraordinary growth in the last year or two um, and, and taken that, that spot there. Um, in Marsat's market share, this, this refers to direct, um, to, to the share of direct uh, connections. Um, you know, in Marsat's got a number of VARs that, uh, that are servicing aircraft, including CETA on air from the KA band side and, and Rocky as well on our Air Asia. So that share is about 10% when you factor in uh, those connections. Now, when you when you remove those grounded aircraft, GoGo share actually um, increases sizably uh, if you if you remove the grounded connections, um, mostly because of its dominance in the North America market. So that actually extends to about thirty nine percent of of activated aircraft. Now, if you look ahead uh, to twenty twenty one and beyond, we can actually see that um, I think the main headline here is that it's not as bad as what people think. Um, so, if, you know, if we look at the installed base, this, this refers to total installed base now. Um, we've got about 9,000 active aircraft in, in 2020. Um, we're expecting it maybe to fall just below that in Q4. Um, so we'll, we'll end Q4 uh, just slightly below, below 9,000. But then in 2021, we're expecting that to stabilise a little bit. Now, there is the threat of... Um, a few carriers going into bankruptcy, um, some large carriers uh, like Norwegian has already filed uh, for bankruptcy protection and it remains to be seen what happens to those 737s. Um, that we factored into, into our Q4 uh, forecasts. Um, <clears throat> but what we're seeing throughout is that you know, the line fit market is, is very um, stable, it's very robust. And airlines are, are still being, you know, are still taking delivery of some of these new aircraft, particularly narrow bodies um, that can that can really help drive that flexibility um, and adapt and, and provide that, you know, that 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 demand uh, that resizing to demand um, that perhaps will replace some of the the, the wide body routes across like the European network and uh, in, in in Asia perhaps. So we're seeing that number stabilize and, and certainly not decrease to the level I think that some feared 
Um, but I think this then sets the tone for the foreseeable future where, yes, we don't see that same shock of airlines removing a lot of aircraft from the installed base, but we do see a very stable next few years out to 2024, 2025, before we see some confidence return to the market. So I think what we're now seeing is that, you know, we're setting the scene for, for a much more uh, subdued market going forward. And, and I think one area that's going to really suffer is that retrofit market uh, with airlines simply just unable to, to down aircraft for a, for a large amount of time uh, just because of the costs involved in that. There's going to be a much more focus on, on getting passengers from A to B and rewriting balance sheets as opposed to, um, you know, those big retrofit programs and fulfilling some of those that, that were perhaps scheduled. So I think we're going to see much more of a focus on that line fit model. Um, I've also put a note here in this slide on, on the third point to refer, you know, to really acknowledge the fact that I think going forward, we'll see point to point uh, airlines offer, uh, operate a point to point model uh, accounting for a large, a large proportion of the you know the addressable market going forward because we're expecting that model to to thrive in the next few years as the majority of passengers really try and focus on on not being uh, not transiting through through hub networks and and I think that's going to be something that benefits the low cost carrier segment but also some of these domestic routes and and that that regional jet narrow body market that we see so that point to point model really provides some area of opportunity for uh, for vendors going forward. And a crucial part of this recovery, I think, comes back to reactivation, which we've talked about numerous times already in this presentation. What I wanted to do was was look at like the status of that reactivation across geographic regions. <clears throat> and I've highlighted here, so um, the big aircraft meant to represent wide bodies, um, which are colored. The, the black aircraft represent narrow bodies. And then in North America's case, you can see regional jets. And what I've done here, so taking uh, North America as an example, is, is try to show that in North America, half of wide bodies that have connectivity on board are currently active. Um, in, in Europe, that's very similar. Likewise, in Asia, Middle East, Africa, it's slightly higher, uh, 76%, but we're looking at a much smaller uh, installed base there. Um, on the narrow body side, you know, we're seeing 70% in some cases in North America and Central and South America across Africa and into Asia as well. Um, so we're seeing, you know, a lot of airlines are bringing these single aisle aircraft back into play, whereas on the, on the wide body side, we're certainly seeing there's been a little bit of movement, but until the vaccine arrives and until we see maybe travel bubbles emerging in Asia pack, we're expecting this number that we see today to remain quite stable and grow relatively slowly when it comes to reactivation. So although we might see some installations on new aircraft, this reactivation story from a service revenue point of view is going to be where, you know, where a lot of service providers focus their attention on. And for us, we've, we've put here that the forecast recovery on the wide body market is, 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 is about four years for us. Um, the narrow body is about two and a half years to get back to pre-COVID levels. And on the regional jet side, we anticipate that will recover relatively quickly, um, given the adaptability that we see from those aircraft types. And, and that recovery will very much be regional uh, dependent. Now, the other thing I wanted to talk about is the bailouts um, and the, the strings attached to those bailouts. So um, we've obviously seen that there's been a lot of um, airlines given financial aid. 
Um, this has been particularly the case in Europe, where we've seen government intervention come into play. Uh, elsewhere, we've seen private sources used, uh, particularly across Asia, uh, Middle East, uh, and in, into the US as well. We've seen uh, a lot of private backing to airlines. For us, there's a big focus in Europe because um, there's a positive side with emissions targets being attached to some of those bailouts. And that gives rise to the opportunity coming from connected applications and operational applications that can that can rely on it real-time connectivity. Um, but on the negative side, we've now got government involvement at the board level. Uh, and we've also got you know quite strict financial repayment terms that look like subduing um, the growth of connectivity and adoption of connectivity much longer term, uh, depending on how long this involvement lasts. And I think that's certainly something to keep an eye on from our side because Yes, the impact of that might be small, uh, but still, we probably won't see that play out for the until the mid to longer term. So I think we need to keep an eye on the, the size of that debt pool, uh, but then also the terms that apply uh, to the debt that exists today. And then lastly, um, I wanted to showcase what I think is, is happening now through coronavirus. So the positive impact of coronavirus, which is that it's driving out this IFEC 2.0 scenario. Um, for us, IFEC 2.0 consists of a much smaller competitive environment that are more vertically aligned um, and that use connectivity as it was meant to be uh, by providing a pipe and then building services around that um, with connectivity being the enabler. Um, already we're seeing that M&A activity come through that's sort of driving this IFEC 2.0 scenario. Um, we've got vertically aligned capacity now with, you know, with Intelsat uh, acquisition of GoGo's commercial uh, uh, commercial business. We've got Imasat and Viasat that are demonstrating the, the benefit clearly uh, of that vertically aligned model. Um, and I think that will con continue to play out quite nicely in the capacity level. But also at the OEM side, we've got Airbus and Boeing that are looking to make grabs in the after sales market, which uh, potentially has an impact on future line fitment opportunities, which is going to be crucial, um, I think, going forward for, for IFC adoption and, and who wins that race. Uh, there's certainly a, a role to play for the OEMs. And I think having that vertically aligned competitive environment will we'll really facilitate some of the things that we want to see from connectivity, which I'll go on to on the next slide. We've also got open and effective hardware coming out. We've got Contron uh, that have got their, their dual band modem, uh, Modman, which is obviously uh, powering GX Plus. Uh, we've got FinCom's antenna, which is uh, demonstrating not only multi-constellation uh, connectivity, but it's proven, uh, you know, it's, it, it's proven um, performances resulting in uh, MRSAT taking it on as part of GX Plus, and it's finally starting to get the traction that it's it, that's yearned for over the years in terms of those consulate, those those new connections beyond GoGo's 2KU, and likewise, uh, ST Engineering with iDirect and NewTek uh, under its wing is also potentially going to help with that interoperability of hardware. And at the bottom there, the crucial part is experts getting the most from connectivity. I've included Seat on Air and Collins because of their expertise in delivering connected applications that can really get the most from IFC. And I think they'll play a crucial part in this next phase, perhaps not as service providers, but certainly as solution providers. And then the likes of Deutsche Telekom and the MNOs 
which will bring their expertise on from a, a, a you know a house a clearinghouse point of view and the you know the ability to uh, to operate across multiple uh, you know multiple countries and, and regions and uh, provide those portals that enable you know seamless access to connectivity on mobile devices um, that I think will also play a crucial part. So this is very exciting. And the last slide that I have is to talk about you know how this unleashes free. Um, we're already seeing this free business model play out today. So in the top chart, um, you can see in blue the proportion of connections or the proportions of aircraft that offer a paid service only um, is actually quite relatively low. Um, it's, it's about 60% across the satellite network. Um, whereas like free messaging, which is in orange, is being deployed now increasingly by airlines that recognize the importance of offering something for free. Um, now, on the KA band side, you've got Viasat's in, uh, influence, which you'll see in the bottom right um, of the bottom chart, where they're offering, um, at the very least, like free streaming uh, to, to economy passengers. And, and this references uh, economy passengers receiving this free service. So they're able to facilitate that higher bandwidth uh, free services. And I'm sure Intelsat will be looking to do the same uh, on their, on its network. But I think across the, the board there, there's actually a number of vendors, particularly GoGo, they're allowing airlines to offer some level of free. And, and going forward, we see this IFEC 2.0 scenario allowing airlines to unleash, perhaps not free for all, but certainly this freemium model that allows a closed garden uh, style model for passengers to access airline services and a, and a basic broadband uh, pipe to do smaller uh, applications. Um, and at the very, uh, you know, at the other end of the scale, perhaps high bandwidth applications where they they, they pay for the pre the privilege. So I think that model is is certainly what we'll see going forward as as the one that's chosen by airlines. And I think this IFEC two point scenario will drive that. So that's where you know we we want to end on a positive note that we do see a lot of opportunity coming out of the market today. And um, I think it's important to grasp onto that as we go through the next six months that there is a lot of positivity to look to in the in the future. So on that note, um, I'll hand back over to uh, to Woodrow. So that brings us to the end of this episode. As always, please subscribe to us on Apple's podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Woodrow Bellamy III. Thanks again for tuning in to another episode of the Global Connected Aircraft Podcast.